get there, say amen. amen. Okay, we're going to pick up two verses, verses 12 and 13 in the New King James. Then we're going to switch and read those verses from the, uh, the Living Bible. All right, so Psalm 25, verse 12 and 13 from the New King James Version. If you have it with me, go ahead and uh, read together. Ready, read. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. Wow. That's powerful. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. All right? Now let's switch, please, to the Living Bible, both of these verses as well. Psalm 25, verse 12 and 13. You have it? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. Where is the man who fears the Lord? God will teach him how to choose the best. He shall live within God's circle of blessing, and his children shall inherit the earth. Hallelujah. It said in verse 12, God will teach him how to choose the best, how to choose the best, and he'll live within God's circle of blessing. We'll get, all, get to all this. We'll get to all this eventually. I want to talk today on the subject, hope for the best, hope for the best. Father, our God, today we thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to spend this time in your word. I ask that God, you give me, Lord, divine utterance, Lord, by the Spirit of God. Let me say things I have not said, hear things I have not heard, think things I have not thought, oh God. And I pray that, God, there will be a free flow of the Spirit of God through me today, Lord, to minister your word to your people. I pray that your people today are positioned and ready to hear and receive the word of God. Give each person ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive the word word of God today, Father. I bind every hindering force. I bind every distraction. I bind every demonic act, all, the, all demonic activity in the atmosphere, and I release right now your anointing over this entire room, oh God. Even beyond this place, to those that are watching online, that God, the same anointing that's here will hit their houses wherever they are, that they may receive the word of God today with gladness, that the word may make the impact in our lives you sent it to produce, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. Hope for the best. Hope for the best. Last week I was talking to you on last Sunday, which is Mother's Day, uh, about uh, never abort your dream. Remember that. And I got somewhere in the message, I got into talking about Joseph. Remember Joseph, who was uh, Jacob's uh, son, right? And uh, he would be Abraham's great-great-grandson, Right? Or great-grandson, I should say, not great-grandson, it's great-great-grandson. And at 17 years old, God gave Joseph this dream, I mean a phenomenal dream. And in this dream, God showed Joseph something great. And Joseph had to go through a whole lot before those things even manifested in his life. In his life. The Bible says in Psalm 105, we read that last week, Psalm 105, verse 19, the Bible says, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord did what? Tested him. So he went through some adversity, some things before that word manifested. But he never aborted his dream. He never let go of what God had showed him, never let go of what God had told him. Amen? And when he dreamed his dream, Joseph didn't dream anything about average. He didn't dream any mediocre. He didn't dream any mundane dream. He dreamed a big dream. And I believe that's the kind of dream God is giving every one of us in this place today. Amen? How many of y'all have some big dreams? They're not average dreams, not mediocre dreams, not mundane dreams. It's things God has shown you in your life that he has for you. Amen? That's what God does. God doesn't give small dreams. 
God doesn't even talk small. God always talks big. God is always revealing something big to us, something that's going to require our faith. If there's anything in your life, it doesn't require faith. God's not involved in it. Do you hear what I'm saying, telling you? God's not involved in it. Anything God pushes you to do, anything God says to you is going to require you to activate your faith. Amen? So Joseph had this big dream, and it all began to come to pass in his life. What God showed Joseph was the best life. Do y'all remember that? God showed him his uh, family bound down, but it wasn't just symbolic of his family. It was about the whole world bound down to him. God showed Joseph things that were just unimaginable. These, these things Joseph couldn't have thought of on, on his own. It was something God had to make a deposit in his spirit about his life in the future. In fact, if you go over to uh, the book of Genesis, in, jo- in Genesis chapter 45, you see what Joseph and his family end up living in the best. Can you say the best? The best. Genesis 45, verse 16 through 20. I want you to look at what it says. It says, now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come. Remember Joseph, he was, he, he was disguised. His brothers had come there because of famine had hit the world. They didn't know that they were talking to Joseph. They thought Joseph was gone, maybe dead. They didn't know where he was. And here they are talking to Joseph all this time and don't realize it. But finally Joseph was so overcome, he revealed himself to his brothers and said, it's me. So he says, now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, watch this, say to your brothers, do this, load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. That's back where uh, Jacob was living, right? Bring your father and your households and come to me. Now remember in this this passage here, Pharaoh is symbolic of God. Remember, Joseph is symbolic of Jesus. Joseph is a type of Jesus. We know that just from biblical study. And Pharaoh is saying, bring your uh, father, your households, and come to me. I will give you. Right? Come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest to your souls. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Right? He says, come to me, I will give you what? Y'all sounded horrible. I will give you what? The best of the land of Egypt. Notice he's telling them, when you come to me, now, they have no right to the best. They're going to be foreigners in Egypt. But he says, come to me and I'm going to hook you up and I'm going to give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat the what? The fight of the land. Glory to God. Look at uh, verse 19. Now you are uh, commanded, do this, take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives, bring your father and come. Also do not be concerned about your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. He said, now remember, Jacob was wealthy. Jacob was wealthy. Jacob is Isaac's son. Isaac is Abraham's son. Abraham passes wealth to Isaac. Isaac, when he sent Jacob out, sent him with the blessing. But Jacob went out, and remember, he worked in Laban's field for 21 years. But at the end, God made Jacob extraordinarily rich. 
So Jacob is already rich. In fact, when Jacob sent his sons there to Egypt to even try to gather things, he put all his kind of extravagant gifts in there to try to uh, curry some favor. He's already rich. But <laughs> Pharaoh tells him, leave all your junk. Y'all missing it. Leave all your stuff. I'm going to give you the best of all the land of Egypt. Thank you, Holy Ghost. By this time, by the time he's saying this, Egypt has increased. Because the whole world is in a famine and the only place they can get food and supplies from is Egypt. And so Egypt has been buying up everything. They have everything. And he says, I'm going to give you the best of the land of Egypt, which equates to the, I'm giving you the best of all the world. I want you to understand this morning that God is interested in you having the best. The best of everything. He says, I'm going to give you the best of all the land of Egypt. Now, Let's get into this here. There's a common phrase that's heard in the world which says this. You'll, you'll, you'll know when you've heard it. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Yeah. How many ever heard of that? Yes, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. So people may say it in the reverse order. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Now people say that all the time. It even sneaks itself into our speech. Well, we're going to hope for the best, but you're going to prepare for the worst. But that presents a problem to a believer. To hope for the best and prepare for the worst presents a serious problem to a believer. Because believers walk and live by faith. Y'all help me out here. Because the word says, that phrase says, prepare for the worst. Now listen to this. My actions are an indication of my expectation. My actions, say that, say that my actions are an indication of my expectation. So if I find myself preparing for the worst, my actions indicate what I'm actually expecting. Now some of y'all, you're having a hard time, but you'll get it by Tuesday. It, it, it's become so common in our phraseology. It's become so, so common in our conversation that we don't think anything of it. That we think this is just good sense too. It makes good sense. It's common sense. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. But we're not common. We're believers. We walk by faith and not by sight. The just we live by faith. And the Bible never tells us to prepare for the worst. We are those who prepare for the best if we're hoping for the best. Because my, my preparation, my activities tell me what I'm expecting. Watch this. In, in the book of James, James chapter 2, verse 18, it says, I will show you my faith by my works. Show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. Do you see that? Yes, sir. So works show your faith. Works show your faith. 
what you do tells me what you believe. Y'all don't like that. What I do shows what I'm hoping for. So when they say prepare for the worst, hope for the best, that presents a serious problem. Because my actions really indicate my expectation. What I do tells me what I really expect. What I do, now you, you know the scripture, Hebrews 11 verse 1, when it says, now faith is the substance, come on, of things what? Hoped for. So faith is substance to what you hope for. Hope is out here, but faith gives it substance. Now faith is evidenced by my works. So if my hope out here is the best, but my works tell me that the worst is coming, then my faith doesn't grab that hope. My faith grabs that hope. And the thing I fear the most is what comes on me. So if I prepare for the worst, then I'm going to walk in the worst. Well, Pastor, I thought you said we got to start saving more money. Yes, save it till God can tell you what to do with it. He's going to have you put it somewhere because he's going to increase you. God never has any time where he decreases his people. He, thank you, Holy Ghost. He never has a standstill in our walks. Do you remember the book of, um, of uh, Jeremiah 29? We like Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts to give you a future and a hope and expecting in, all that kind of good stuff. But you know that same chapter God told a people that I'm going to visit you after 70 years in Babylon? Put up, put up Jeremiah 29, 10. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. Put up verse 10. For thus is the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Now in that chapter, he tells them, I have good plans for you. And he tells them, but while you're here, I want you to build houses. While you're in this rough place, I want you to plant some gardens. While you're in here, I want you to get married and have children. In other words, he tells them, I want you to increase in the middle of this captivity, in the middle of this adversity, I'm still going to have you increase. Because God never has us decreasing. He always has us hoping for the best and then preparing for the best. Y'all missed that. He said, I want you while you're here because I'm going to come back and get you. I'm going to come back and visit you. So go ahead and get married and have children. Go ahead and build some houses. Go ahead and do some things. Go ahead and prepare for the best because that's what's coming. Well, y'all are slow this morning. Go and prepare for, for the best because that's what I'm going to bring you into. So you and I never prepare for the worst. <sighs> Write this down. You cannot hope for the best while preparing for the worst. You cannot hope for the best while preparing for the worst. Listen to me. Throw that out of your conversation. Throw that out of your mindset. You cannot prepare a hope for the best when preparing for the worst. It, it, is, it, is, it is impossible to actually do that as a believer. 
cannot do it. Oh, I, I hear some of y'all in the spirit. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, I, that's what I've been taught to do it. Well, you, yeah, mm-hmm, that's why you haven't gotten the best yet. I'm going to say it again. That's why you've not gotten the best yet. Feel past, I feel like I, I make a little progress and I go back. That's because you've been preparing for the worst. Your faith requires you to go one direction. Your faith requires you to have your, you cannot have, James says, you, you're double-minded. Oh, Jesus. Put up James chapter 1, verse 6. That's what we call in the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, we call that double-minded. James chapter 1, verse 6. In fact, verse 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives liberty and upbraids not. So anything you ask God for, it says you got to ask for it in faith. Look at verse, verse 6. Verse 6. But let him ask how? In faith, in faith with no doubting. Now, if I hope for the best, prepare for the worst, what am I doing? Well, you can't ever be sure. Well, then it ain't faith. Faith is not guessing, ladies and gentlemen. Faith is not guessing. Hold, hold that. Hold, hold James 1.6. Put up Hebrews 11 verse 1 again, but this time put in the Amplified Classic. Put Hebrews 11 verse 1 up in the Amplified Classic. I'm going to preach to y'all join me. Now faith is the assurance. Faith is the assurance. The confirmation. The title deed of the things we hope for. Being the proof of the things we do not see. And the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact. What is not revealed to the senses? I wish I had better amens than y'all let me. You can't be sure. Then it's not faith. Faith is sure. Faith is not blind. Those are phrases that we've thrown in. They come from the world. They've crept into the church. I'm operating on blind faith. Faith is not blind. Faith sees. Faith sees an unseen reality. Faith sees. Faith sees. Faith sees. Faith sees. Sees, I see it. How can you see it? Well, we look not at the things that are seen, but things that are unseen. We look not at the things that are that are seen, but things that are unseen. Second Corinthians four, around around verse seventeen, eighteen. We look not at things that are seen, but things that are unseen. So you and I have the ability to see things that are unseen. That's called faith. I'm about to run around here by myself. It's called faith. You see things that are unseen. So faith is not blind. Faith is not crazy. That crazy faith. There's, there's no such thing as crazy. There might be crazy folk. There's no crazy faith. You can't be crazy if you got a conviction. You can't be crazy if you perceive something that's real fact. You can't call me crazy if I got the title deed to it. No, I got it. I 
I got it. It's mine. I have it. So if I have it, then I'm not. It, I don't go. My, my family and I, we went on vacation a few weeks ago. We, we had a hotel res, reserve. Had, I already had the confirmation. We didn't go to the hotel set, you know, just in case they don't have a room. We're going to see if we get a. We're going we gonna to pack us a tent, put a tent. In the, in, the, on, in the trunk and, and, you know, and some lanterns and, you know, some uh, lighter fluid. You know, we're going to build us a campfire. We have to camp out because I got this deed, but I'm not sure. I'm not, I got this confirmation. I'm not sure if they got our room. We went there fully expecting. Why? Wow, because I already got a confirmation. That's faith. So I cannot in faith hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Boy, that's going to just revolutionize somebody today. We call it double-minded. Go back to James chapter 1. James 1, verse 6. Glory to God. Is this helping anybody? Help me out. Okay, good. All right, I'll keep preaching in. But let him ask in faith with no doubt, and for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Hallelujah. You get nothing, nada. From God, if you prepare for the worst. Verse 8. Verse 8. He is a minded man. Unstable. Come on. In all his ways. So that person who's preparing for the worst, hoping for the best, the Bible would call double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Well, you, Pastor, you know, you never know about it. It's, you know, things happen. Yep, you're right. You're right. Things do happen. They keep happening. Uh -huh. You're exactly right. So he's double-minded. In James chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So if I'm preparing for the worst, hoping for the best, I got a heart issue. If I'm double-minded, I got a heart issue. I've not fine-tuned my heart. I've not clarified my heart enough to only have the things of the Spirit, the Word of God. I've got too much other seed. I've got too much other things that are bringing doubt in me. I've got to purify my heart. Okay, put up Mark 11. Let me keep going. Mark 11, 22. Mark 11, 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Remember, he had cursed the fig tree, the fig tree withered away. And they want to know how this happened. He said, he said so Jesus answered and said have, to them, have faith in God. Verse 23. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, come on, be removed and, and does not See, doubt in your heart, that's why you're double-minded. I'm trying to get you today to only hope for the best. I'm trying to get you to only hope for the best. And I didn't say hope for better. I said only hope for the best. Only God wants you and me to enjoy the best in life. He wants you and me to have the very best life we could ever have. He didn't send his, Jesus Christ his best so you and I can have the worst or less than the best. He wants us to only hope for the best. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. But I've got to get this doubt out of my heart 
So when I speak things, I don't call, I don't let my words negate what I'm believing. So be removed because of the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So I can't say preparing for the worst, but I'm hoping for the best. I can't say that because I'm going to have what I say. And what I, what I say is proven by my actions. So if I'm preparing for the worst, my actions are telling me what I'm really thinking. Glory to God. So I got to get this doubt out of my heart. So I won't be double-minded. Look at verse 24. Do me a favor. Put verse 24 in the King James for me, please. Uh, no, stay, stay here. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you, you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them, right? Yes. Now put in the King James. I want you to see this here. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire. That's the word I want you to see, desire. A tail, it's a Greek word, a tail. Desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That Greek word, a tail, means to demand, to require. Yes, sir. Whatever things you require, whatever things you demand, yes, sir. what does your life demand? Y'all yes. don't. See, your life may not demand what my life demands. You have a wife and four kids. My life demands something different than maybe your life. Or maybe not. You might be a single person and demand seven bedrooms. No, I don't take all that. You can't tell me what I demand. You can't tell me what I require. See, that is just like every person has free will. God gave every human being free will. Then I have free choice on what I require, what I demand. So that, don't let folk telling you, you keep telling you talking too big, you're talking, you're asking too much, and you know, you don't need all that. Shut up. Don't tell me what I need. Don't tell me what I need. See, it's what things soever you desire. He didn't make it a group we desire. He said whatever things you desire. He made it individual. If you desire it, when you pray, if you believe it, then you will have it. Tell your neighbor, that's individual. Whatever you desire, when you pray, if you believe, you will have. I love that, boy. I cannot be contained by your limited imagination. I cannot be stopped by your limited productivity. I cannot be stopped by your little small dreams. Whatever I want, whatever I pray, whatever I believe, I will have. And God is pushing me to believe and ask for the best. This is what he's been dealing with me about. About believing him for the best. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Bible says the righteous eat to the satisfying of the soul. Thank you, Lord. Which means there are things that will satisfy your soul. The righteous eat to the satisfying of the soul. It didn't say the righteous eat to the satisfying of the belly. The righteous eat to the satisfying of the soul. 
That means there are things that are meant to satisfy your soul that you go, oh. Anybody ever had that? You just, oh. There's certain places you can eat. You know the finer the restaurant, the less food you get? Am I right about it? The nicer the restaurant, the, the less food you get? But, but when you eat it, you're like, oh my, oh my God. Oh, oh, oh. I'm about to slap somebody. Oh my God. This. See, that's a soul satisfaction. Because you've enjoyed something better. Maybe even the best. And God's trying to get his people to believe him for the best, to put your hopes on the best. Y'all hear me here? I know you and I have been used to our whole lives, many of us, I don't know about all of us, but most of us have been used to our whole lives when we got to choose between uh, good and better and best, when we shopping, we choose good. Because in our minds, that's good enough. Yes, you're right. It's good enough. But God's trying to upgrade. Uh, I'm, I'm looking. I'm just, I'm searching. I'm just. He's trying to upgrade a few of us. Because there's just going to be a few of us. A few of us to the best. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesse Duplantis preached a message entitled, It's Not About the Need. It's so powerful. You ought to look for it. Jesse Duplantis, It's Not About the Need. Because we get so, we've been so conditioned and so need-minded that, well, I'm only going to, you know, believe or get or, you know, seek out what I need. And God wants to go way beyond your need. Jesus told us, your father already knows you have need of these things. He said, don't you even ask for your needs. We are never supposed to approach God about our needs. Never, ever, ever, ever. Y'all not saying anything. We are never supposed to approach God about our needs. Jesus says, take no thought for your life, these things, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll put on. He says, your father already knows you have need of all these things. He said, don't even think about that stuff. Am I talking to three people or something? Take no thought about your He said, don't you even think about your needs. Your father knows you have need of these things. He says, if you're going to spend time praying, if you're going to ask God for anything, go beyond what you need. Go for what you want. All right, maybe you can't handle that. Go for more of what you need than you need. Okay, y'all, is that, that help you? Go for more of what you need than you need. So you can take the more that you say I don't need and help somebody else who needs that. They don't know how to go to God about it. If you're not ready yet to go to the best of everything, just take, just take, get more of the good. My point is, is let God stretch you. Let God pull you. Let God draw you higher because I got news for you. When you, when you get to heaven, 
you're going to be shocked. Because in heaven, there's only the best of everything. And when God, when God had, had Noah build the ark, when God had Moses build the tabernacle, when God had David build the temple, he only, only, only allowed the best of everything for everything they built. <laughs> you go and read about the tabernacle. Go and read about the furnishings in the the materials for the temple. The absolute best of everything. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Do you not know that you are the temples of the living God? And if God would adorn a physical temple that he said could not contain his presence. And yet he says, you and I are walking, living, breathing containers of his presence. Do you think he's going to adorn a physical building that will rot and decay more than he's going to adorn you? Jesus himself said, will not my heavenly father much more clothe you, oh, you of little faith? Little as in the field, they spin. They don't, they don't spin. They don't toil. And yet your fa heavenly father raised them. He said, not on, not, he said, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And will not my father in heaven much more clothe you, oh, your little faith? So what is God talking about? He's talking about the best. Oh, my, 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 my. Father, I pray your people get it today. I pray, I pray they get it. So in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, when Jesus said, what things of you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. He's telling us to believe that we receive what we desire. Y'all got it? So we've got to get, up, get rid of our just in case it doesn't happen plans. Y'all didn't hear me. We've got to eliminate our just in case it doesn't turn out this way plans. Only expect the best. <laughs> Go to James 1, 16. Verse 17, 16 and 17. Listen, don't, don't prepare yourself for the worst. Prepare yourself for the best. Prepare yourself for what you desire. Hallelujah. See, when, you, when, you're, when you're rational people, you're rational and you think about, you know, worst case scenarios and you make all these plans and contingency plans. But God, faith is irrational. Faith is irrational. You can't calculate and program faith. Hallelujah. You can't reason faith. Things are the spirit, man. They're beyond our imagination. James 1, 16 and 17. James 1, 16 and 17. Says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift, in verse 17, please. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or 
That last part means God does not change. I said God does not change. I said God does not change. I mean, come on, help me out, saints. Have you read how God described, how the Spirit of God described Eden? I mean, Eden, where he put his man, it was the best. The best of everything. God's always operated with the best in mind. And we see here that he does not change. There's no variation or shadow of turning. So God didn't all of a sudden get the New Testament church and throw out prosperity. Throw out blessing. Throw out the best. He does not change. Please tell your neighbor he does not change. Give me the same uh, verses, 16, 17, Amplified Classic. James 1, 16, 17, Amplified Classic. Look at what it says. Is, Do not be misled, my beloved brethren. So people can be misled, can't they? Verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect free. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Free. See, you keep thinking about why I can't do best because I can't afford it. He didn't say nothing about you affording it. Come, you don't have no money. Come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without price, Isaiah 55. It's not talking about what you and I can afford. It's a gift. Every good gift and every perfect, free, large Somebody say large. Not only is it free, it's going to be large. Well, just give, just give me the small. Just give me the small. I just need a little small. No, he said large. Now, your large and my large might be two different things. But God, I want you in no tiny house. This old tiny house revolution folk got. house, okay, we'll do that to help other folk till they come up. I better come over here. I'm going to talk to y'all because they ain't get it. We're going to do that to help other folk till they come up. But God doesn't want you living in something tiny. He says free large, 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 large. Nobody want no tiny bathroom, tiny closets, no little tiny kitchen, a little tiny car. Trying to get us getting a little smart cars. No, I ain't getting a little smart car. You better get out of here with that mess. That's a dumb car. cramped up, you get out, you get out, and your legs all hurting because you've been bent up. That ain't that ain't good. That's not right. See, that's this mindset the world is trying to get the, the body of Christ in. Well, you just that's just all you can get. No, hey, you and I aren't from here. 
I said, we're not from here. We're not from here. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are ambassadors for Christ. Hallelujah. We're not from here. We don't get paid from here. We don't get supplied from here. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm going to live on his dime. Tell somebody I'm going to live on his dime. God takes care of me. God supplies my need. God provides for me. God enlarges me. Put up, put up Isaiah 54 verse 1. Put up Isaiah 54 verse 1. Man, look, 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 look how God talks to people. He says, sing, O barren. Sing, O barren. Now, barren means you got nothing. He said, but I want you to sing because I'm about to change all that. You who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud who have not labored with child for more the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. Keep going. I want to keep verse two. Enlarge the place of your tent. He said, get a bigger place. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Do not spare. Don't hold anything back. Neither your course and strengthen your stakes. Look at verse 3. For you shall. I need you to get bigger in here so I can make you bigger out here. For you shall expand to the right, to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nation and make the desolate cities inhabited. God is always into increasing. So that's why James 1.17, Amplified Classic says, every free, large, and full gift is from above. Every free, large, and full. Free, large, and full. Well, I can't get a big house because I can't get all that furniture. No, free, large, and full. I can't drive no big old SUV because gas $5. God will keep it full, baby. I said God will keep that truck, he'll keep that tank, he'll keep that SUV, he'll keep it full. If he gives it to you, he can keep it full. Hallelujah. He's not going to get you out there and leave you out there by yourself. If he's going to get you out there, he's going to keep you out there. Free, large, and full. Pastor, you don't know how much diesel costs. I don't care how much diesel costs. Free, large, and full. Free, large, and full. Thank you, Lord. I've told y'all the story. When my, my wife and I move into the house we're in now, we, 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 all, we tripled the size of all of our, everything we had. Tripled every bill and everything was just triple. And we got in there and man, we had no furniture in that house whatsoever. Man, our kids, you, they used to skate and ride bikes through the house. That's how big it was and how empty it was. And we didn't have a dime to get any furniture. 
we ain't have enough money to get into the house. God made a way. God opened a door. God told us to do it. Let me tell you something right now. Just, just this morning, just this morning, I was thinking, I need a dump scum in the front of my house. I need a dumpster to start getting rid of some of this junk I got in this house. We got so much junk in this house, I can't hardly get around. I want to get everything out of here because it's so it was empty, but now it's full. Every free, large, and full. You better shout hallelujah if you got this. I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about God. I ain't talking about your account. I'm talking about God. I ain't talking about your job. I'm talking about God. And God can and God will do this. He wants to do it for his people. He is looking for somebody who will let their souls delight itself in abundance. So every free, large, and full gift comes from God. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light in the, in the shining of whom there can be no variation, rising or settling, shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. There's going to there's be a lunar eclipse tonight. I don't know if y'all know that. We're going to be able to see right here in, in St. Pete a great lunar eclipse. There's going to be a red moon tonight right about 1130 or so. Go outside and look at it. It's worth, getting, it's worth getting up to go see it. I, actually, I put it on our family's calendar. Say, hey, I want everybody to go look and we're going to see this lunar eclipse. Because it's, 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 a, it's a blood moon. And God calls the moon his witness in the sky. I'm going to look at that moon tonight as a witness. That God will never change. No shadow of turning in him. That if God did it for David, and if God did it for Solomon, and if God did it for Joshua, and if God did it for Jacob, and if God did it for Joseph, and if God did it for Paul, and if God did it for you, God will do it for me, he'll do it for you. God has no respect of persons, and every nation who ever calls on him, God will answer your prayer, and God will give you what your heart desires. He's not looking for the smartest one. Looking for the one who will use their faith. Tell your neighbor, hope for the best. Now, now, now. Write this down. Write this down. Write this down. Y'all listening? Write this down. You cannot ask God for the best and receive anything less from him. Y'all didn't hear what I said. You cannot ask God for the best and receive anything less from him. Oh, my. Did y'all get that? You cannot ask God for the best and receive anything less from him. So if you receive something less, it didn't come from him. You have a, trick, a tricky adversary, the devil, who wants God's people to be misled. Yeah. 
That's why we read James 1.16. Do not be misled. Do not be deceived, my brethren. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So the devil wants to deceive people to thinking that when they got something that wasn't perfect, that wasn't good, that wasn't God's best, and you ask for God's best, you pray for God's best, you sow for God's best, and you got something less to think, oh, well, it's just, it's God just want me to settle. No, God does not want you to settle for that. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, 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 what you pray, what you desire, not something less. And you will have them. Go to, go to, uh, oh, Jesus, go to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 11. Matthew 7, verse 11. Oh, let's prove God right here. Oh, God. Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, if you then, no, go, go to verse 7. Start at verse 7. Let me, just, let me just back this thing on up. Verse 7. Ask. That's the same Eteo word we read in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Demand. Require. And it will be given you. Seek. And you will find. Knock. And it will. For everyone. Y'all didn't like that. For everyone, help me tell you, neighbor, for everyone who asks, everyone, you mean little old me? Yeah, everyone. I just got born again, Pastor. Everyone. I don't know 12 scriptures. Everyone. I haven't done everything right, Pastor. Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Watch this. Or what man, this is Jesus teaching us about God. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread? You ask for bread, your dad is not going to give you a stone. That's less. You ask for something good, he gave you something less, something bad. He keeps going, verse 10. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? A serpent. God's not going to give you a serpent and you ask for a fish. Do not be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now watch verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things? Now, you didn't celebrate much because you know that one. Give me verse 11 in the, um, the Passion. Verse 11 in the Passion. If you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovely take care of your children and give them what's best.
How much more ready is your heavenly father to give wonderful gifts to those? He's ready. 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 He's sitting by waiting. Just somebody ask me. Somebody believe me for it. Somebody let me do it. Somebody let me show myself strong on your behalf. Somebody let me show out on your life. Somebody let me show you what I can do. Somebody let me show the world what I can do because the world gets amazed at what they can do. But I want to show the world through my people what I can do with those who re release their faith and receive what I have for them. So you cannot ask God for the best and receive anything less from him. Y'all got that? Y'all got a few more minutes here? So God wants you and me to have the best. He gave his best for us. John 10.10, 10, we know that. Amplified classic. Jesus said, uh, I came, I have come that you might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full. Have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance. Remember we just read here in, in uh, Matthew 7 verse 11 in that, that passion that your father knows how to give you what's best. God knows what you would really enjoy. You go looking for something because you think, oh, I would really like that. And God said, yeah, that would be nice, but you would really enjoy. There are things that you don't even know you would enjoy. Things you don't even know you like. And God says, no, you were really like this. You would get a kick out of this, right? Because God knows you better than you know you. All right. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me keep going here. I want to try to finish this today. Okay? Y'all got a few more minutes here? Y'all really? Okay. Shake yourself. I need you to get this here. How many understand that we believers are the bride of Christ? Yes, sir. Put your hand up if you know that. You understand we are the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5 talks about that. How it tells husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might present her to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He says I, uh, this, this, what I'm speaking to you about marriage is really a mystery of Christ and the church. So the church, we are the bride of Christ. Got it. Now, how many of you understand that it's an arranged marriage? Yes, sir. He predestined us before the beginning of the world. <laughs> it's an arranged marriage. God knew you before you knew yourself. He knew you before you were born. And he had already chosen, predestined you. You read in Ephesians chapter 1. He had already predestined you, foreordained you. To be married to Christ. Now I want to show you in the book of Genesis a picture of this redemption. Because we had to be redeemed. We were, it was, it was prearranged, but we did not have foreknowledge. We didn't. We didn't know. That's why we, you know, you did everything you could think of. Because you didn't know you were already married. You thought you were single. 
I'm going to come over here. They're saying something over here. I'm going to stay on this side. You, 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 you thought you were single, so you did single stuff. Did what you want to do, went where you want to, want to go, said what, what you wanted to say, you ain't observed nobody. You didn't, you didn't learn, know you were married till you got saved. He said, oh, oh, I was married. Oh, yeah. The father had already picked you. The whole while he had his eye on you. The whole while he preserved you. Tell my wife from time to time, I'm so glad God preserved her for me. I'm glad God saved her for me. See, if I'd been hearing God, I would have known back in high school that was my wife. I didn't know, so I was all on everybody else, and she was on everybody else. And Tell the truth. We, we, we didn't know God had already arranged. High school, I couldn't get her to even look at me. See? So God couldn't even get us to look at him before. But one day when our eyes opened, and he said, you're married. Now I want to show you in the book of Genesis a picture of this. Now listen to this. In 1 Samuel 2, verse 8, I want you to see what God does now. Because God... It's an arranged marriage. He finds us in the worst conditions, but he raises us up to the top. 1 Samuel 2, verse 8. Look at what it says. It says he raises the poor from the dust. Notice he won't leave you there. He, that's why he finds you. And lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them Inherit, come on. You and I have inherited a throne of glory. Now we, simply put, he's moved us from the worst to the best. Notice it says, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. Which means the whole world belongs to God. So God has set all these things in order and what he did in his prearrangement was he set us up to move us from the worst to the best. Y'all got it? Now let me show you this in demonstration. In Genesis 24, here's a picture of our redemption. We see exactly how God operates. I want to read this in the Living Bible. Genesis 24, starting at verse 1. I'm going to try to speed read through this, okay? Genesis 24, verse, I'm going to start at verse 1, the Living Bible. It says, Abraham was now a very old man, and God blessed him in every way. Now, Abraham symbolizes in this story God, Father God. Okay? Verse 2. One day, Abraham said to his household administrator, who was Eleazar, who in this story is the picture of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Who was his oldest servant. Swear by Jehovah. This is Abraham talking the God of heaven and earth, that you will not let my son. Now, the son is Isaac, who pictures Jesus. Y'all following this here? Let my son, do not let my son marry one of those local girls, these Canaanites. <laughs> you round the way girls they got around here, those old hoochie mamas. 
He said, go and said to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife for him there. So the Holy Spirit's job is to go find a wife for Jesus. When he came finding you, he was finding Jesus' wife. Got it? Okay. But suppose, here's, here's the servant talking. But suppose I can't find a girl who will come so far from home, the servant asked. Then shall I take Isaac there to live among your relatives? No, no, no. He's not, he not going to stay living there. He's going to stay on this throne up here. No, Abraham warned, be careful that you don't do that under any circumstance. Keep going. For the Lord God of heaven told me to leave that land and my people and promise to give me and my children this land. He will send his angel on ahead of you. So the angel's going to work with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a girl from there to be my son's wife. But if you don't succeed, then you are free from this oath. But under no circumstance are you to take my son there. Now, he knows he's going to succeed because he said, oh, angel's going to go ahead of you. Verse 9. So the servant vowed to follow Abraham's instruction. Now, look at verse 10. He took with him ten of Abraham's camels loaded with samples. I'll start over. He took with him ten of Abraham's camels loaded with samples of the best of everything his master owned. So the servant has to go and find the bride and when he finds the bride, he's going to show the bride samples of the best of everything that the father owns. The earth, Psalm 24, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, come on, and they that dwell therein. The cattle of a thousand hills, they are the Lord's. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. So God said, I'm going to send samples to you of the best of everything. Now, let me ask this question. I don't know how many of y'all remember the days. They may still do this. Back when we used to go to the mall, Tyrone Mall, they, when the food court's out front, or you go by any restaurant, there's a, be a rest, you know, restaurants used to be all spread across the mall, and always there'd be somebody out front. Some of y'all go to Sam's Club just for this purpose. <laughs> I'm telling on somebody. That's because somebody got a whole, y'all go to Publix. Publix does this every once in a while. They have somebody cooking little samples. Y'all go at the right time. Some of y'all go to the deli. Hey, can, let, me, let me see how I want you to slice that. Let me, let me, let me, let me slice it. No, that's too thin. Let me, you're just eating. You got ate your whole lunch right there while you're waiting on your meat. Right? They're giving you samples. What is the purpose of the sample? Huh? To entice you, to arouse your taste, to get you to know what is there. To get you interested in the more that's there. So when, when Eleazar comes with these samples of the best of everything, he shows up and he puts the rings on all on, on uh, Rebecca, 
right? And Rebecca runs home and tells her brother and her dad and mom, uh, tells her, her brother Laban, her father Bethuel, and he sa she says, oh, this man I met, and they look at her like, girl, what is all that? And the Bible says Laban took off running. Laban ran out to meet who is this man? And he said, he went to the man and said, hey, bro, what you doing out here? Come on, come on. Come on in the house over here. Come on in here. Those samples enticed them. It was just samples. So then, long story short, they say, hey, we got a place for you to stay here overnight. So he spent the whole night, uh, Eleazar and all his assistants stayed the whole night. And they got up the next morning and said, all right, hey, we got to get up. We're going back to, our, to Abraham's house, and we're going to take uh, Rebecca with us. And, and, and Bethuel and Laban, uh, which is her dad and, and brother, said, uh, hold on, wait a minute. Like, you know, wait a minute. I know she's going to go with you, but let her, let her stay 10 more days, you know, so she can kind of make, you know, adjust. And, they, and, and Eleazar said, no, 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 no. This is very important. I got to go back today. I'm under command to go back. So, so Laban said, I tell you what. Let's ask her and see what she thinks. Because if she says she's staying, she's going to stay 10 days. But if she says she's going, she can go. They went and they said, hey, uh, Rebecca, what you want to do? She said, I'm going with them. Read the story. She said, I'm going with them. They said, oh, 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 okay. All right, go, go ahead. Why? She saw those samples of the best of everything. And those samples enticed her to not just be engaged, but to go ahead and be married and to fall in love. The reason why God blesses you so much, because he doesn't want, just want you saved. He wants you to be, to fall in love with him and walk with him and live with him and serve him. The Bible says, do you not know that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? God will bless your socks off and turn your life around. wants to see you blessed. He wants you to enjoy his blessings. He wants you to enjoy his best. So you never think about cheating. So you never think about tipping out. Why would I tip out on God when he keeps giving me the best of everything? Where, where I'm going to go, man? I get the best cooking. I get the best ever, the best of ever. I get the best. Hey, I'm going. I ain't going nowhere. I got the best of everything. serve a God like this? Who wouldn't serve a God who can bless your socks off? Who wouldn't serve a God who will meet all your needs? Who wouldn't serve a God who will heal your body? Who wouldn't serve a God that will give you joy when there's so? Who wouldn't serve a God who will give you peace in the midst of a storm? Who, who wouldn't serve that kind of God? Who will give you the best of everything? Watch this here. In, in the 13th chapter of Numbers, the 13th chapter of Numbers, God told the children of Israel, I've already given you the land. He said, send 12 spies to go spot the land. When the 12 spies went and spot out the land, when they came back of the 40 days, they came back with what? Samples. <laughs> they brought back samples of the best. And in fact, when, when God sent them, God made sure he sent them at the time of the harvest. 
know what the Bible says? He sent them at the time of the harvest. So when everything was fresh, everything was ripe, them big old grapes and big old watermelons and big old cantaloupes and big old everything, pomegranates. He says, ooh, wow. And they brought back samples. This is what the land has to offer. Now watch this. Watch this last verse. Ezekiel 20, verse 5 and 6 in the Living Bible. Ezekiel 20, verse 5 and 6 in the Living Bible. Look at what it says. He says, tell them, the Lord God says, when I chose Israel and revealed myself to her in Egypt, I swore to her, remember they brought back samples now, and her descendants that I would bring them out of Egypt to a land I had discovered and explored for them. Pause right there. To a land I discovered and explored, which means God said, I looked and I found the best place. I found, I looked all over. How many of y'all want the best spouse God has for you? I'm, I'm talking to the single folk. I'm talking to the single folk. Married ones, you already got what you're going to get. You ain't with the one you love. Love the one you're with. You, 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 already, you, already, you, already, you already got it. I'm talking about those that are still looking. You're still looking. You, you, you believe in God for the best. God says, I, I discover and I explore. So husband, I mean, you young men want to get married. Before you find a wife, he's already found her. So what happens when you, when it says he that finds a wife, that word found literally means discovered. You discovered what God already had hidden for you. So God says, I had discovered and explored for them a good land flowing as it were with milk and honey. Notice what he calls this. The best of all lands in it. And when they brought samples back, that's where those samples came from. The best of all lands. See? Now listen. Let me close saying this. So when they brought those samples back, you know, 10 of those guys gave an evil report. They said, look, here's all the best samples, but we can't do it. We can't do it. We've seen the best, but we're not up to it. We're insufficient. We're grasshoppers in our sight. Grasshoppers in the sight of those giants. They saw the samples of the best, but what was bigger in their minds was the obstacles. And they said, we can't take this land. But God said, it's already theirs. It was the best. And what stops people of God today is God, when he shows us the best, then we put ourselves in the driver's seat of how we're going to get there. And we say, I, can't, I don't have enough gas to get over there. This clunker car, I got it, ain't going to make it all the way there. So I'm going to just stay over here. I'm going to just stay right here where I am. And God is saying, 
I told you it's your land already. I just wanted you to see the sample so it can inspire you to hope for the best. And don't get settled out here in this wilderness. But there was two. Joshua and Caleb. And they said, we are well able to take this land. They hoping for the best. They didn't prepare for the worst. They said, we got it. We're going to go in and take this land. We, uh, this, hey, listen, that land was good. Can I tell you something? That's why God, that's why he does these things along the way is he gives you samples. Okay, let me help you. Some of y'all have gone on vacation that you've just, oh, just so great. You stayed in a resort. You're like, this is, oh, this is so great. I love it. I don't want to go home. God don't want to go back to your home either. That's why he showed you the resort. He don't want you having to resort to a resort. He wants you to be living that lifestyle. Y'all ain't getting Y'all stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Some people, they, they go rent a night. They rent a car. They rent a car. You see, you, just, you hate turning, turning a rental car in. I, now I got to drive my, I got to drive my old car. Well, God said, yeah, I don't want you, I don't want to get in that car either. I want you to drive like that all the time. Matter of fact, God, God he would much rather you rent down than rent up. He wants you driving nice all the time and just rent down. People get so excited, they're going to go to a fancy, you know, wedding. They're going to get married. They're going to go to a fancy, you know, uh, 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 festivity, and they're going to dress up in something so beautiful. Oh, and they feel so pretty or feel so handsome, and then they got to go back and turn the tuxedo back in. I got to go. God said, I want you to, that, that rich man, the Bible says, remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Jesus said that rich man fared sumptuously every day. Clothed in fine apparel, royal uh, purple, it said every day. Every day. Jesus wants you to live and drive and walk in and, and wear and eat and experience the best every day. Not just on vacation. Not just on a special occasion. Now don't let a grasshopper seed grow up in you and make you feel like you can't get there. It wasn't the children of Israel's job to get there on their own. He had already told them in Exodus 23, he said, I'm sending my angel ahead of you. Get that, Exodus 23 and verse, I think it's verse 20. I think it's 23 and 20. Exodus 23 and 20. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place that I discovered, explored, and searched out and found out for you, the place I prepared for you. You don't have to get there on your own. God sent his angel ahead of you to get you there. Now, I don't know who this was for today. That's encouraging to let you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
hope for the best. Tell them God's taking you there. Now tell somebody else, I hope for the best. God's taking me there. Tell them I see you, see you when we get there. Hallelujah. 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 Now give God one big shout of praise in this place today. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. My, my, my. My, my, my. Hope for the best. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, we'll get into this more on Sunday, next Sunday. Because what he said to us in Psalm 25, in verse 12 in the Living Bible, it says, where is the man who fears the Lord? God will teach him how to choose the best. So now he's got to teach us now how to choose the best. We made some other choices. That's because we didn't know. We didn't, we didn't know. I didn't know I could have that. I didn't know I could do God. I didn't know. I didn't know. Hallelujah. But we're going to learn how to choose the best. Amen. Father, thank you so much today for your people who've received the word of God. I pray that each person today has, through this preaching preview, they have seen something more, something greater, something bigger, something higher. Your word says, Father, that because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob desired a better country, you were not ashamed to be called their God simply because they desired a better country. They desired something better. And you weren't ashamed. God, we don't ever want you to be ashamed of us because we don't have desires about better. We, we, we understand even as Paul said that we've learned in whatever state we are to be content. God, we're not, we're not driven by these desires. We don't let these desires pull us out of your will, out of your way into, obe into disobedience, into sin, into shameful things. No, sir. No, sir. We thank you because you have an angel that you're sending before every one of us to lead us, get us to that place you prepare for us. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, we'll be mindful as we go that, God, there will be others who will come along with us, others who don't know how to do this, who don't know how to believe you, that we'll, we'll bring others with, along with us, those who will, those who will get in faith along with us, God. We'll do it. God, will be a blessing to so many people and get to enjoy all you've given to us. Think of that we don't have to choose between ministry and enjoyment. We don't have to choose between charity and enjoying life. We can be awesome givers and awesome livers at the same time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are not an either or God, but an and also God. You're an end also, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We can do this and also do that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Never choose between what we need and what we need, even what we need and what we desire, because, God, we're not depending on ourselves to do it. In fact, we ask you to forgive us for getting ahead of you. Forgive us for not waiting on you. Forgive us for doing things on our own. 
and not letting you prosper us. God, I pray that these are your people today, myself included, that will walk into the fullness of your plans for our lives. You're good, you're acceptable, and your perfect will for our lives. It's the best of everything. And I pray, Father, that as we live in and enjoy the best, I pray for the best of health. The best of health. The best of health, oh God. That we prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. Hallelujah. The best of health. Thank you, Lord. You say you satisfy our mouths with good things, the best things, so that our youth is renewed as the eagle. So, God, thank you for the best food to eat. We, we won't sit here and say we can't afford to eat well. We can't afford to eat well and eat right. Thank you, Father. Nothing escapes us. Nothing eludes us. Hallelujah. God, I pray that these are people because of the way we live will be lights in the midst of this dark world. That even as others ask, how in the world can we live the way we live? We won't say our education. We won't say it's because of our businesses. We won't say it's because of our connections. We will say, boldly say, the Lord is our helper. You've done it for us. We thank you for this today and we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus Christ's name, we do pray, and we expect the best. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Put those hands together.